in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 18th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. That's it good is, to hear. It is uh, Thanksgiving week, and I'm about to eat a lot. How about you? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Pretty Producer much. Cameron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, three Thanksgiving meals, four between now and Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Friendsgiving. Oh, yeah. We'll all be there. We'll all be there. I'll be even, ready for you. Even the listeners. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. Come on to Kyle's house for Friendsgiving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hope your wife has a big enough table. We can make it work. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. So with Thanksgiving being tomorrow, we're recording this on Wednesday. So if there's any breaking news that happens Thursday during the day, we'll miss out on it. But we could, is there a chance we could get this out to people so they could listen to it instead of their talking to their family members on Thursday? Yeah. Okay. I don't have plans tonight. All right. Well, okay. If you're listening to this on Thursday, special, special Thanksgiving episode. Then <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> All right. First, I got some news for us because um, we got a busy, busy episode. Um, Missouri played three basketball games since we last uh, spoke about them. So, um, but first, some news. Um, we had some mock drafts come out on the football and basketball side. Um, CBS Sports came out with a mock draft ha- uh, that had Drew Locke going number three overall to the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, we definitely have seen Drew's uh, draft stock kind of fluctuate um, a little bit over the year. Um, I thought that he had the potential to uh, be a really top draft pick before the season, and then he kind of struggled, and then I thought that he might be mid to late round in the first round, and now I think he may have played himself back into a top draft pick. So um, there's a lot of time still yet to go, uh, but we know how crazy the draft is when it comes to quarterbacks. So never know what could happen. Producer Cameron, you have a question? I'm just thinking they have Derek Carr. So why are oh, they drafting Drew Locke? Well, if, you're, if yeah. you're paying attention, sir, uh, to the NFL, the Derek Carr is awful. And so is the Oakland Raiders. And John Gruden and Derek, uh, Derek Carr aren't exactly like best of friends. So Well, I knew that. So um, I, that's what I was They were best wondering. friends when he had him on his TV show and they talked about Spider 3 Y Banana. I remember that. <laughs> I love yeah. Spider 3 Y Banana. A lot of stuff has gone down since then, oh, apparently. Geez. A lot of losing. Yeah. All right, so on the basketball side, Sports Illustrated came out with a mock draft that had Jonte Porter going number 27 overall um, to the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I think that'd be a good fit for Jonte, definitely, um, to go to the Celtics, uh, which is, I mean, pretty much where he was being projected last year before the draft. If he was gonna, if he was gonna leave Missouri, I think that he was probably getting drafted in the late first round. So which is probably where he's going to be drafted next year if he leaves, so nothing too shocking there. Um, I do think that, um, and I think we're in agreement on this, that if Jonte had played this season, he was going to play himself into a much higher draft pick just based on what I had seen of him uh, and the development that he had made and, and everything. I think that he was going to have a pretty monster year. Yeah, and factoring in things like um, Conzo Martin saying that he thought Jonte would be shooting the ball like up to 20 times per game mm-hmm. which is just a crazy high number yeah. and yeah he would be 
definitely the leader of the offense this year if he played. So um, he was poised to take that step into the late lottery at worst, I think. Yeah, so it's still a long way to go with Jante, obviously. Uh, we have no idea what he's going to do, but I think that – and there's really really, probably no wrong decision for him to make. If he leaves this year, perfectly understandable. If he comes back and plays himself into a higher draft pick – I understand that as well. So right. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, uh, switching back over to football, the um, a Mizzou recruit, Charles Njoku, who was a wide receiver slash tight end recruit, um, decommitted from Missouri today. And it looks like all signs are pointing to him probably signing with Miami. He has a older brother there. Obviously, many people probably know he has an, another older brother that's playing in the NFL. So three uh, high-level Division One athletes, it would have been really nice to hang on to him. Um, it sound, I mean, he was having talks of, like, joining the team early and things like that, and he was talking about whether he was going to play tight end or wide receiver. Um, but he won't be doing that at Missouri now. Yeah, I think that's the issue is that Missouri wanted him to play tight end and he wanted to play wide receiver, and uh, – also, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the family ties to Miami, I think, are strong as well. But um, I definitely didn't expect this, but I'm not surprised whatsoever by it because I think when he committed, he he straight up mentioned, like, yeah, I'll probably continue to take visits. And it didn't really seem like he was ever too in love with Missouri. I just don't think he had great options at the time of his commitment. And uh, But he will, yeah, like you said, it will probably end up at Miami. So barring something surprising. Yeah, and really nobody should ever be shocked by things like this true i mean if you are then let this be the last time that you're surprised by it because i mean we see guys that even are like recruiting other players to missouri decommit so i mean it's pretty standard nowadays for commitments to Mm -hmm. go away and offers to go away on the other side of things we talked about that a little bit before on on the show about how um, some people kind of hold the athletes to a standard where when they commit somewhere, they are locked in They're you know, signing that contract for life, basically where on the flip side, they don't, some people don't realize that coaches can sort of manipulate offers a little bit mm-hmm. and take something off the table for a kid that maybe wanted to go to a school. So, yeah, that's the ugly side of it that we don't see very often, unfortunately, but, um, it does, it does definitely happen. Uh, another thing, another quick note on, uh, on Njoku is that he may have kind of taken a look at Missouri's current tight end roster and seen that there may not be immediate playing time in my future with uh, Albert O potentially coming back and uh, Messiah Swinson having a promising career probably ahead and then also the emergence of Daniel Parker Jr. Mm-hmm. So he may have seen some competition here and, and maybe think that he can get on the field a little sooner somewhere else. So yeah, I don't that's know. definitely possible. Um, speaking of Miami, though, uh, news just broke a few hours ago that wide receiver Jeff Thomas uh, has been dismissed from the team. He had not been practicing the last couple days and I guess was seen leaving the practice facility angry. Um, so the coaches had to sit down with him and it didn't really go well and he's no longer on the team. So if you're asking why we care about a wide receiver playing for Miami, it's because he was a four-star player out of East St. Louis, the number 40 player in his recruiting class, and was a guy that would have been really nice to see in black and gold, and he went to Miami. So now he 
is going to be looking to continue his career somewhere else. Yeah, I remember um, following this com- this recruitment pretty closely when he was coming out of high school, and I definitely thought Mizzou had a pretty good shot to land him. And for a while, I definitely thought that it was going to happen. Um, it didn't, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you kind of hate to see this kind of stuff happen. I don't know what the details are. I think a lot of people on on Twitter and and the Mizzou fans are are interested in in finding out if he's going to be able to. Uh, be on another roster, specifically Mizzou. Um, I don't know if that's a possibility based on what's been going on over there, why he's leaving. I don't know, but uh, I guess it's always a possibility that, that Barry Odom and staff could, could check out um, that possibility. Yeah, it'd be worth it'd be worth kicking the tires on, as they say, because um, the stuff I was reading from some Miami sort of local news sites was saying that it wasn't really... It seemed like he was just ready to move on and um, maybe they kind of did him a disservice by labeling it a dismissal from the team like he's kicked off the team but mm-hmm. I think it did come down to that but I don't think it was really a violation of rules like or anything like he that did. Um, he had recently lost some playing time because I think of some academic stuff so he was upset about that so it just wasn't going well and there's also reports that he wasn't getting along with the wide receivers coach at Miami so there's lots of things that factored into it but nothing that I think would scare another team away um, he just this was his sophomore season and he uh, had over 500 yards and two touchdowns so nothing crazy but Miami hasn't been spectacular by any mm-hmm. means um, but I think fans at least thought he was gonna have another two really good seasons for them um, but yeah I mean he's incredibly electric though uh, I would have loved to seen him with Drew Locke I yeah. think that would have been really cool to see but maybe we can see him uh, with some Kelly Bryant yeah that would be <laughs> that wouldn't be bad at all all right any other news you think uh, nothing comes to mind okay so now we have a challenging portion of the show where we are going to try to recap some basketball games that we did not watch. <laughs> um, for yeah. those of you who don't know, uh, Missouri played in a tournament, the Paradise Jam, and all of the games were broadcast on flowhoops.com or the Flow Hoops app or something like mm-hmm. that. I thought about like buying the stream, which was... Thirty dollars yeah. for like a month subscription, so if like, it wasn't incredibly cheap. If I would have known, you know, if I would have known Missouri was going to end up in the championship game and it comes out to ten bucks a game, mm-hmm. that's still pretty ridiculous. But it just would have been really nice to be able to actually see them play. Yeah. At, besides, uh, I think a couple of the games happened when I was at work or something. At least one of them did. Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't going to be able to watch that. So I think that factored into my decision, but. To be completely honest, I especially after the Kennesaw State game, I wasn't sure that they were gonna. It, it wasn't gonna be worth watching. Right, is what it looked like. Right. Yeah. So that Kennesaw State game, Missouri actually held on to win fifty-five to fifty-two. Um, they were kind of in a fight the entire game in that one, and um, Kevin Purrier basically was the only reason they won that because he kind of took over the offense there and was able to actually get some points up because. It was for a while. It was looking like the first team to get to 50 was going to win because both teams were just ice cold. I mean, Missouri shot 44 percent from two and 18 percent from three, and Kennesaw State shot 35 percent from two. They did shoot four of eight from three, which is kind of random because why didn't they shoot more threes? I don't know. But yeah, just terrible night of shooting, terrible offense. 
So if you if you did watch that, if you did pay to watch that, I'm sorry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm one to maybe put almost too much stock sometimes in like kind of the intangibles of a game, and so I think that it's possible. I, I saw the gym that they're playing in, and it I mean almost looks like a high school gym. Yeah. And so I think it's possible that Mizzou knew that they were playing Kennesaw State in a high school gym, and it was just kind of and it was like kind of a weird time. It was like in the middle of the day. Right. So maybe they were just like having a hard time getting up for the game. I don't know what it was. Maybe having a hard time motivating themselves. But uh, yeah, that I didn't like. Like we've said, I, I did not watch it, but I was kind of keeping track of the score on my phone, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me!" Like, I mean, I know we're a little offensively challenged here, but got to be able to to put this game away. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to go more along the lines of the Central Arkansas game and just be kind of just steadily build a lead and just keep extending that lead all the mm. way like from start to finish yeah and it was absolutely not that i think mizzou's gonna play a lot of ugly games this year i don't know if there's many teams on this schedule they're gonna blow out uh but they're gonna have to get used to playing and and winning these these close ugly games yeah i think the schedule sets up for there to be quite a few heartbreakers or just <laughs> ugly games that missouri's in because they're kind of mucking it up and then they just lose because they they really weren't the better team, uh, but they hung around enough to make it close. So um, we might be in for some some headaches mm-hmm. and some heartaches this year because there's going to be some close games that Mizzou probably shouldn't even be probably shouldn't even be close. But Missouri kind of made it close. But mm-hmm. the offense is just not going to be there when they need it. I think. Yeah, it was good to see uh, Perrier and Geist kind of get back in the action here. I know in the first couple of games they were both kind of quiet and. I mean, it was really early in the year, but we were, at least I was a little concerned, just like, okay, what's going on with these guys? Because if we've seen, like, I thought, it, you know, I was as sure as anything that we know who these guys are. Right. And they haven't really been themselves yet, the two or three games into the year. So it was good to see those guys uh, kind of lead the team. Yeah, especially Geist. Um, I mean, I'm ready to move on to the Oregon State game. Um, one last thing is that Missouri did win the turnover battle against Kennesaw State, turned it over 13 times and forced 17. So that was at least something positive to go off of besides just getting the win. Um, but Oregon State, yeah, Perrier and Geist again, and especially Geist at the free throw line in these last two games um, against Oregon State, he basically just decided that he was going to drive to the basket and either make a layup or get fouled because he was 12 of 15 uh, from the line. And that was huge down the stretch. He got to the line over and over again and made free throws um, to kind of seal the deal there at the end because it was – kind of back and forth most of the game I listened to quite a bit of it on the radio but it was kind of back and forth and then um, Missouri jumped out to about a 10 to 12 point lead and kept it right around eight Um, so it was it felt good to be up by eight right there at the end when the team was starting to get desperate and foul and stuff Mm -hmm. like that we had to make free throws that's a much better feeling than being up two or three and having to hold on because we remember last year when Missouri had like a two or three point lead it was not safe at all yeah it might as well not even have the lead and so an eight point lead definitely feels a little bit better in that situation yeah I think we uh pointed this specific thing out um in our preview of Oregon State but they definitely aren't a team that uh forces a lot of turnovers uh so Missouri only committed nine turnovers in this game and that ultimately, I think, is gonna is the X factor of this game because, uh, you know, we're going against a, a tough, a pretty tough uh, Power Five opponent, and I think that's probably our lowest turnover 
uh, total for this year so far. Yeah. So um, going against teams that don't turn you over are teams we may have the best shot against this year. Right. So and if, if I'm an opposing team, I'm just going to press Mizzou like, yeah. the whole game if, if I can. Just make them make passes. Right. Yeah, the more yeah, the more that you're kind of it's, it seems like it's easy to get them flustered. Yeah. Um, especially when you have freshman guards, that's kind of natural anyway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hopefully that Iowa State game as far as turnovers go is by far the outlier this season because I don't think I could handle many performances even coming close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I can deal with, you know, 9 to 15 turnovers on a given night. Yeah, it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, that's expected with all the youth on the team. And another note about Iowa State is they've been pretty good this year. Um, I think they they beat Illinois mm-hmm. very handily yesterday or a couple days ago, and they played against uh, San Diego State today. Mm-hmm. I watched some of that game, and they were just blowing them out. Super um, deep team. I yeah. mean, they, they had lost some players for the Missouri game, and they still – the players that did play yeah. got up for it. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a – a specific player from Illinois, uh, Tucker. No, oh, I can't remember his name. Horton Tucker, I mm-hmm. believe, is his last name. And uh, it, there was kind of some drama between him and the Illinois fan base because he he spurned Illinois for for Iowa State and then ended up having like almost a triple double oh, against right, them. Right. And he had like twenty six <laughs> and fifteen or something. So um, just a little a little funny for those those people that hate Illinois. So pretty funny. <laughs> Um, I talked about like kind of what I can deal with in as far as turnovers go, but something that we can't deal with is Missouri shooting the ball from two. Um, they are not converting points in the paint. Uh, 44% against Kennesaw State, 42% in this game against Oregon State, and then I think about the same I have it here. Um, camera edit out this pause. Forty-two percent again against uh, Kansas State. So, I mean, when you're talking about low forty percent shooting from two, you're not going to win very many games like that. I mean, looking at that, it's if you just showed me the shooting numbers, forty-two percent from two, twenty-nine from three, I would assume that we lost to Oregon State. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I think uh, teams can kind of pack the paint and smother Jeremiah Tillman a little bit because. I'm not sure anyone else in this team has shown that they're much of a threat. You know, guys just come out, come on a little bit, but there aren't really aren't any other guards in this team that scare you. So until somebody else kind of steps up, I think teams will just continue to do that, and it's going to be hard for for Tillman to to have a breakout game when he's right. being targeted so heavily. Yeah, they've just not been efficient at all. I mean, Perrier has never been efficient shooting. So when you're getting most of your points from him, it's going to come just like they did against Oregon State, where he got 17 points on five of ten shooting so only shooting 50 percent um that's not the end of the world i can live with that from per year but um notice that we are barely talking about jeremiah tillman because he like you said they just swarm him when he gets the ball he ends up turning it over or forcing a shot that is not a high percentage look so mm-hmm. um and i think that's we've talked about it many times how Jonte Porter just had uh, an innate ability to just handle those situations and know exactly what to do with the ball every time as a freshman. So um, we can't really expect that from Tillman, but it's obviously an area needs to improve on. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll definitely get better performances than we saw in this tournament from him, but more consistently is the idea moving forward, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Um, moving on to the Kansas State game. So the final score on that one was uh, Kansas State 82, Missouri 67. I thought overall the game was closer than that. Um, Kansas State had been shooting the ball terribly so far this season. They were winning really ugly, low-scoring games. Um, both teams started out slow, and Kansas State kind of went out to a lead. Missouri fought back a couple times early. And then um, it looked like things were kind of turning around in Missouri's favor. They kind of had some momentum when um, Xavier Pinson found Reed Nico for a dunk. That was the play of the game on the radio, at least, when I was listening. So that tied it at 27-all. But then Kansas State would end the first half on a 13-0 run and then score the first two points of the second half, and that was pretty much it. Um, if you take out that run, it's actually a tie. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, it's a game of, of runs and momentum, definitely. And, and when you're playing... When there's two teams playing that are kind of offensively challenged and, and are going to try to muck it up, uh, a 15-0 run is, is almost too devastating to, yeah. to come back from. So, yeah, I agree that um, kind of around halftime or so, I guess, I, I was feeling pretty bleak about Missouri's chances in that game. Yeah, and I think, I mean... With this Missouri team being offensively challenged, you're just going to have streaks like that where they can't, they're not going to make a basket for a few minutes, mm -hmm. you know, here. And if a team is draining shots like Kansas State did during that run, it's not going to go very well. Yeah. So limiting those to instead of a 15 0 run, if it's a 9 2 run or a 15 7 run, it's a lot more manageable if you're just making a few baskets during that run. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating when you get somebody's best game like that and since I wasn't watching the game I don't know if that was a defensive breakdown by Mizzou or if Kansas State was just throwing stuff up that was going in every time I don't know but it's it is frustrating when Kansas State's been shooting like 20 percent from three all year and then they just go off on this game so yeah Kansas State shot 58 percent from two and was 12 of 24 from three yeah so that's definitely good shooting Missouri's was a little bit better um, still terrible from two, 42%, but they shot nine of 15 from three. Penson was two for two. Mark Smith was two for four. Watson was one for two, and Geis was three for four. Yeah, that's that's really pretty good, and I'd probably take that in a lot of games. Oh, it's yeah. pretty efficient. Uh, but, yeah, it's just tough to overcome a good team making more shots than it normally does. It's just right. not, it's going to be tough to overcome. Yeah, Geist did have a really good game, though. He had 24 points on 15 shots. And he was 7 of 10 from the free throw line. And he that propelled him to a all-tournament team selection. Nice. So he was the, he was the only Missouri player to get that. But yeah, that, that's, that's definitely great news. Like I said earlier, it's just somebody else needs to step up and show that they're a threat to try to take some attention away from Tillman so he can kind of do his thing. If, if there's more than one guy on this team that can show they're, they're dangerous, then it helps everyone. Yeah, um, Conzo Martin actually on the post game on the radio was talking about guy specifically in his performance and he said that he's he was talking about him turning the corner and getting into the lane and just the few games that we did watch this season well i guess the one game so far that we have been able to watch easily um nobody was driving very well at all so to see him really driving to the basket with purpose and finishing or getting fouled that's that's going to open up the offense a lot so mm -hmm. He's just got to keep doing that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> basically every possession, he's going to need to try to get in there and mix it up and yep. he's either the guy. kick it back out or find dump-offs. So. Yep. Um, 
specifically in this one, Tillman fouled out in just 24 minutes. He had two points on one of two shooting, so obviously not a great night for him. I didn't even I didn't realize that he had that rough of a night. That's crazy. And the turnover numbers for Missouri did creep back up a little bit, but at 14, um, that's not the best, but it could be a lot worse. Maybe I've set myself up now since that Iowa State game where I'll be like, ah, 14 turnovers, no big deal. They can still <laughs> they can still win games turning over the ball 14 times. It's yeah. not ideal, but I mean... It's those 10 turnover halves that really right. get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, Missouri will come back to Columbia uh, with a record of 3-2 and two and a Ken Palm ranking of 84. So... Thank God that we can watch the games on tv on like real tv yes. channels and stuff yes. now it's it really is unbelievable that they've played like five games and we really haven't been able to watch any of them on yeah like a normal television yeah. channel please don't get in the paradise jam again anytime soon unless <laughs> a network is going to pick it up or something yeah that's great yeah, well, i just don't i don't get it I, I have no idea how that happens yeah um next so uh, missouri now has a five game homestand and that starts with uh, the temple owls Temple is five and one on the year and ranked just one spot behind Missouri on Kempom. They're at 85 with a 107 ranking on offense and a 77 ranking on defense. And I know um, it's lucky that you're here, Kyle, because you are an expert on the Temple Owls. I just, <laughs> I can't wait to I hear. I was like, I did not know where you're going with that. I'm like, I'm not an expert at many things, so I don't know what you're about to say. Uh, yeah, Temple Owls. I will say that. I overlooked this game when we were looking at the schedule before the season started as I was just kind of, oh, yeah, this is this will be a win. Uh, Temple is is a legit good team, and this is this will be a struggle. Um, I'm glad we get to play this game at home and not on a neutral floor or, or on the road. Yeah, um, Temple being 5-1, and one, that's a little bit misleading because Missouri will be the best team they've faced so far, um, the most evenly matched for them. Um, Temple did get a win over Georgia on their home court, on Temple's home court, and um, they beat Cal on a neutral floor. So Georgia's coming in at number 100 on Kempom. So um, that was Temple was favored in all of these games, and then they they lost to VCU on a neutral floor, and Temple was favored in that game as well. So um, Missouri, I think they'll be favored by three or four points just because it's a home game, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so Temple forces a lot of turnovers. They do. Okay. Um, so that'll be something interesting to watch. Yep. That'll give you definitely something to look out for. They. Um, so Temple's defense is the 27th best team in the country at forcing turnovers. So watch out. <laughs> this one might. This one might get ugly. Um, are you are you predicting the Missouri Tigers to win this game? Yes. Okay. I think they will win. I think Tillman will have a bounce back game, and I think we'll get. I think Jordan Geist. I think has kind of figured out what he needs to do. Okay. And I think he'll keep doing that. Tillman will have a bounce back game. We'll get enough from the freshmen. From the rest of the crew. Yes. So I think it'll be the Tillman and Geist show. Okay. And I think Missouri will win. I don't think it'll be very high scoring. I'm thinking like 65 maybe. Missouri might get to 65 points, win something like 65-60. Okay. But 
if if Temple is making three pointers, they they take a lot of three pointers. So if they're making them, mm-hmm. it it could be trouble. But I think Missouri will try to run them off the three point line, yeah, and force them to take twos, and kind of funnel things back towards Tillman and Nico down low. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I think uh, Mizzou probably should win this game at home. It sounds like it could potentially be very volatile. With if Temple's hitting a bunch of threes and forcing turnovers, I may like want to like scream watching this game. Yeah. Um, I hope that you are right. I think I actually am going to predict Temple to to uh, win a close one against Mizzou. Um, I just I don't know. I think Temple's going to be motivated. I think they're yeah. I think they're a good team. Yeah, and they could be. I mean, the fact that they their ranking isn't going to be very high just because they've played teams that they should have been beating. Um, so sometimes early like this, you can see a team's Kempom ranking just skyrocket when mm-hmm. they f- face some tougher competition, and then they're at, then the stats kind of catch up to where the team is for the mm-hmm. season. Um, and we saw that for Missouri at the beginning of the season where they just plummeted. Yeah. So. Well, I hope Temple is good because if Mizzou does beat them, then it, it'll be a, a nice little... Uh, yeah, a boost. A nice little boost. Yeah. All right. So now we'll, we'll finally get to actually watch some games on TV and hopefully have some more insight when we recap them. But now I am ready to talk football. Because Missouri played in what was, I think, the most fun game to watch so far this season. And we both thought that they would beat Tennessee pretty easily, but we did not expect it to be as easily as it was. Yeah, it was crazy. That it was the exact same score as last year. That's, That's insane. It's just really, really <laughs> weird. This is, a to- this is off subject, but, um, you know, with Alex Smith's leg injury, mm-hmm. so he plays now for the Washington Redskins. Right. Joe Theismann had the same injury playing for the same team on the same day and the final score of the games were the same and they both were tackled by one of the only two three-time defensive players of the year what on the same yard line and i'll take it a step further they also both love lasagna But in all seriousness, that is really bizarre. That is crazy. I, I saw some of that stuff on Twitter. I hadn't that heard the yard line thing. Yeah. That is crazy. I didn't either. Wow. Or I bet you hadn't heard the lasagna thing either. <laughs> oh, that's true. I made it well. up, actually. <laughs> they might. They probably both do. I mean, lasagna's good. But. Odds are they, yeah. they both like it. <laughs> all right. Back on topic here. Um, yeah. So what was it? 50 to 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So twice in a row, we were actually had got the pleasure of attending the game last year to see them stomp. Uh, Tennessee and um, funny story from that the fan who sat behind us I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast or not but there was an annoying Tennessee fan that sat behind us and she the entire game was cheering for JG she was (laughs) cheering for the quarterback JG she was of course talking about the current um, starting quarterback for Tennessee because his initials are JG but unfortunately he was not playing in the game last year. He, he may have played a couple snaps, but the quarterback that played the majority of the game was named McBride. And I don't know, I didn't know these Tennessee quarterbacks well enough at the time, but then afterwards I realized that and uh, I wish I would have known at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was very obnoxious. And 
it's one thing to be obnoxious, but when you're obnoxious and you're cheering for the wrong quarterback, yeah, that is just <laughs> a whole another level. That is a whole another level. And uh, peak Tennessee fan right there. Yeah, I I have <laughs> I've made it quite but, clear yeah. on this podcast that I am so not a fan of of Tennessee and their fans. Like Tennessee is like. No offense to producer Cameron, but like the Nebraska of the SEC because they haven't been good in 20 years, but they still have like a crazy fan base. And uh, they, I don't know, I just, I always get just so happy when, when Tennessee loses. Yes. And it is a, it is truly a pleasure to destroy them year after year. So this one is very pleasurable. And it started <laughs> off with a Mizzou field goal to go up 3 0. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to have to wait for Kyle to stop laughing because I was going to have to throw it to him and he wouldn't be ready. <laughs> and Drew Locke got it started early with a um, pass to Emmanuel Hall for 30 yards. And just seeing Emmanuel Hall in these recent games, that's going to be the thing that I think, man, what if he had been healthy for the South Carolina game? Because especially the fact that we both predicted a nine and three season and they are one play away from that in two different games, man, I just wanted to be right with that optimistic nine and three prediction. Yeah. I definitely think that Missouri is better than those two teams they lost to also. Um, and yeah, Emmanuel Hall has just been so good when he's been in there. So yeah, just, I don't know having him in there. I mean, I even think that if he's 100% for the Georgia game, I don't I don't know if we beat him, but I don't know. Yeah. It might things are different. So, uh yeah, this is definitely going to be the what if season um mm-hmm. where I mean, we could we could been, so easily be 10 and 2 and yeah. ranked top 10 yeah. in the country right yeah, now. Yeah, I was kind of playing around with the rankings and looking at them and I think if if Missouri right now is 9 and 2, they're probably sitting at 11th yeah. in the college football playoff rankings, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so back to the recap, Missouri up 3-0. They um, held Tennessee to a three and out on their first possession, and that was a memorable one because uh, Tyree Gillespie sacked Tennessee's quarterback and basically knocked him out of the game. Yeah, that was really pleasurable seeing uh, <laughs> Tyree. I mean, he just he he's so fast, and I think his – his knowledge of the defense is starting to catch up with his athleticism. And I, so I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Tyree Gillespie going forward um, playing safety. But, he, yeah, he, like, destroyed uh, Mr. JG. Yeah. And he was not the same after that. So I think they had a total of, like, minus 17 total yards when Mr. JG was in yeah. the game for Tennessee. Yeah. It was it was pretty ugly there going mm-hmm. for uh, Tennessee's offense. So um, Missouri went three and out. Tennessee went three and out. And then... Um, on that three and out, Palmore got a sack of JG, and um, then Missouri was able to get another field goal to go up 6-0. Tennessee went three and out again. Missouri punted, um, and that is where we got our first targeting penalty of the game. That one was on Tavon Ross on the punt return, mm-hmm. and um, it was one of those where the ball carrier just decided to duck his head. He was literally looking at the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you said it was like he dropped something and needed to pick it up. Yeah, he literally <laughs> looked like he was just bending over to pick something off the ground. Like he just, it, I don't know. I, we don't. I mean, I don't need to talk that long on this. Everybody knows how I probably feel about this. But when the ball carrier literally 
ducks his head down. I mean, Ross is already in the air at this point. He's yeah. literally laid out in the air, and the defender just lowers his head. And so his his launch angle and his like where he was targeting the the ball carrier was exactly where it should have been. And right. Even Barry Odom was said that in his press conference a few days ago that he there's just nothing else he could have done. So. So I mean, basically at this point, it's like. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So at this point, I think that college football uh, should look at some kind of targeting rule that doesn't automatically result in an ejection. Uh, sure. Yeah. Maybe that was a targeting play by rule. Uh, maybe but, but, like a but clearly, two, two steps of targeting. Exactly. So yeah. to, I mean, to me, it looked like yeah, that could have been targeting, but it was clearly not something that he was trying to like injure the other player. Right. If you, we'll talk about this later, but. If you remember the the hit on on Floyd, mm-hmm. I mean that was nasty, and right. that's that's targeting, and, targeting, and that's when you should be ejected from the game. Yeah, but to me, ejecting Ross from that game is just silly. Yeah. Um. So we talked about JG's struggles. Um, their backup quarterback did enter the game, which is always a red flag for Mizzou fans, especially yeah. this season. Um, his name is Keller Christ. And predictably, he came right in and drive uh, drove 69 yards for a touchdown. And he kind of he they gave him the ball and said, mm-hmm. "Do your thing," because he yeah. threw it for uh, had a 41 yard completion, a 13 yard completion. Yeah, definitely. Before he came in, it was it looked like Missouri was completely in control of the game, except they were only up six to zero. Right. So uh, definitely wanted more points out of those drives, but. Uh, still felt pretty good about it then, yeah then this guy comes in and it's like <laughs> you gotta be kidding me so you know we're destroying their starting quarterback and then this guy comes in and it's peyton manning against us so right. i don't know how that happens so often but i think i tweeted something to the effect of uh like getting destroyed by backup quarterbacks like a mizzou football tradition or yeah. something but yeah there are I, lots I had of a, tweets about that i had a bunch of uh people like after the game they're probably sitting there like there was like stewing like on their mind they're thinking about it they like tweeted me back after the game like this tweet didn't age well and i'm just like okay did, did you did you not watch any of the other games this tweet was correct before this yeah, game happened right anyways so for, so for for you guys that are out there just thinking about uh that tweet all game so sorry to make you up so so upset but i'm glad that uh i'm glad that we that you were right and you can tweet at us at uh, Missouri Sports Pod. Yeah, if you want to get <laughs> in on that, on that uh, Twitter combo, just let you know. Let us know. So Tennessee then takes the lead with their first touchdown, with the first sign of life of their offense. They take the lead because Missouri is having to settle for field goals. Um, but Missouri answered. Um, Tennessee actually tried an onside kick that failed, um, and Missouri had a touchdown drive of their own. Um, that was where Rashad Floyd dropped a would-be touchdown, and luckily we didn't have to think about it too long because Cam Scott, Cam Scott took a, a, a ball 44 yards and set up a Tyler Beatty run um, for, the, for the score, and Missouri went up 13-7. to seven. Yeah, so a few thoughts about uh, some of those things you just said. First of all, I think Drew Locke, maybe his two best passes of the whole game came on those two drop yep. touchdowns. The one first to Floyd was just amazing like it was just like this perfect rope that yeah. uh only only uh floyd could get to it but he dropped it uh and then emmanuel hall's touchdown that he dropped so but luckily we scored a touchdown on both of those drives yeah. so like i just you said, can't believe that that happens i know it's <laughs> it's really insane just perfect balls i can kind of understand the floyd one because he was actually pretty well guarded and, yeah. it, and it looked like the defender might tip it for a second but um yeah but on cam scott he's looked so great 
uh, like after the catch. Um, he mm-hmm. just looks so elusive. And Making that first guy miss every yeah, time. Yeah, he's he's uh, really something else as far as avoiding the tackle. Yeah. I will argue with you, though, on, on one, one point about your saying that the two best throws. I think one later that we'll get to to Emmanuel Hall was the best throw yeah. of the night. He so, had some amazing throws yeah. Jeez. all game. Yeah, well, let's just talk about that because he – I mean, I think this game coming into I mean, over the last few games, you know, talk had been that his draft stock was falling and is he really the, the guy that can lead an NFL offense? And he just came out and did everything. Yeah. I mean, sidearm throws to the running back, you know, just finding receivers when they were covered and and winning games right. against good opponents. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, not and not doing anything too flashy. I mean, in this one, you know, two hundred and fifty-seven yards and two touchdowns. He was just efficient, got the ball where it needed to be, made yeah. incredible throws all night. Yeah, and just looked spectacular. So I think that that kind of stuff is what's going to put him at the top of mock drafts and the top of actual NFL teams' boards when it comes time. It's exactly what we wanted to see when we talked about. Uh, Drew Locke and Derek Dooley before mm-hmm. the season started we wanted to see this kind of thing we expected to see this where Drew Locke didn't necessarily throw for 500 yards and eight right. touchdowns but he helped us win a game and uh, he enabled you know everybody to to be a threat and, yeah. and to uh, get the ball where it needed to go but um, do you ever just watch a Drew Locke and uh, you're just like oh man that one's gonna like whenever you you know we're gonna be seeing a lot of draft coverage on Drew Locke especially when we get closer to the draft but uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of highlight tapes and stuff. Do you ever just watch him make one of those throws and you're like, well, we're going to be seeing that one a lot, like yeah. on some of those highlight tapes. And honestly, I feel like they could probably throw a couple of those. Uh, they could probably show a couple of those plays that he threw to like Hall and Floyd that they didn't catch. And I was just... going to say, you could make a highlight tape of Drew Locke that's all dropped passes <laughs> and it would still be really impressive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, Missouri's got the 13-7 lead, and um, then Keller Chris comes back out and leads Tennessee to um, a, on a field goal drive. He's still completing, making some completions through the air. So then it's 13-10 Mizzou, and then um, we're nearing the end of the half. And if you've listened to me talk about Mizzou football very much, you know that I think that they end halves sometimes in the worst way possible, and I just can't stand the way with clock management and some of the things they do at the end of the first half just drives me crazy and it seems Mm -hmm. like whatever can go wrong there is going to go wrong but they flipped they flipped it on me this time because um they went 75 yards on 13 plays um and then it ended with an amazing we haven't even talked about this one yet the catch and throw to or the throw and catch to jacinto for the touchdown oh wow yeah that Um, was crazy the extra point would be blocked, but then Missouri went up 19-10 with that. And I thought the catch was just as good as the throw because he kind of put it out there in front of him going mm-hmm. back to the sideline and he just kind of snatched it out it of the like air. It just stuck right in his hands, yep. yeah. Uh, yeah, almost that. I think that catch was almost more impressive than the throw. I mean, it, it was such a great play from both of those guys. And um, you mentioned that Missouri has not finished halves well or games well. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the season but I think that we have seen a development from Barry Odom this season just being more aware of those things he's made the mistakes he's realized okay uh, finishing halves poorly kills our chances at winning games and kills our momentum and and our morale so let's make an effort to make sure we finish you know on a high note and that that interception that DeMarcus AC made you know might have been the play of the game because man what a huge swing that was I mean 
th- yeah, that, that Tennessee was about was to be again. if Tennessee scores there, it's a two point game, and then it ends up being what? I don't even know what was the score after Missouri scored there, nineteen to ten. Yeah, right before the the interception, it was nineteen to ten. Okay, so it was twenty six to ten at halftime. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's about to be it's about to be nineteen to seventeen, and in fact, it's and, and instead it's twenty six to ten. So yeah. it's a massive swing. Uh, it kills Tennessee's morale and then momentum, and they're going into halftime thinking, wow, we just ended that horribly. Yeah. So I think that kind of breaks the other team whenever you're able to do that. And we've been on the receiving end of it. We've been on the wrong side of it earlier this year, so it felt good to uh, be on the on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah, DeMarcus AC took, it, took that interception 76 yards, so it just completely flipped the field, and Locke found Jonathan Johnson for a score. So, yeah, it's 26 to 10 going into halftime, and – Things are definitely looking positive. It looks like a game that Missouri can just break open and run away from Tennessee the rest of the game. Yeah, and AC's been really, really good this year, yeah. especially the last few games. Yeah, he's um, has he played a lot when he was pretty young, mm-hmm. and I think kind of invited some criticism upon himself with some sort of high some, risk, high reward plays. Some kind of some bonehead plays and some bad penalties. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah, I think what he was his first year starting at cornerback he was most known for his pass interference penalties. So yes. he's definitely fixed that and mm. has made some huge plays here and and I think it's also it's just been really solid. Another thing that's a testament to probably good coaching is they've really developed some of those guys. It's it's just so hard to to come in as a true freshman and and be who you want them to be and it, to be the the junior year Demarcus AC right. it's so difficult you to come in and do that. See that yeah so uh, so good job on this coaches and good job for the the players to just hang in there and uh, just keep fighting and, and working hard and developing yeah um, Tennessee acted like they weren't quite done um, because they did score pretty quickly to open the second half. Um, and they got another long completion in that one, so that was 26-17 Mizzou. But then um, Missouri answered right back with a quick score of their own, and that was the one with the incredible pass to Emmanuel Hall where it was like it almost looked like it went through the defender's head and then just landed perfectly. Down the sideline? Yeah. yeah. He made lap. so many good throws. I'm like trying to make sure I understand yeah. which one you're talking about. And then uh, Larry Roundtree was able to punch it in, so then it was 33-17 Missouri. And um, Tennessee had an opportunity to answer, but instead Nate Anderson forced a fumble for Missouri, and then Joshua Bledsoe had the presence of mind. He had the presence of mind to not (laughs) (laughs) take a knee. He had the presence of mind to not just recover the fumble, but make sure that his knee was off the ground and uh, before he picked the ball up and ran it, 39 yards for the score. Was I supposed to, like, understand what was going on there? No, I'm sorry. It's, I didn't. it's kind of an inside joke, but I thought you might just, like, fall in line. Oh, okay. Um, it goes for uh, goes back to the Reggie Miller 30 for 30. Okay. There's a segment where Which they... Which I have not seen. Where they say, <laughs> where you say, oh, he had the presence of mind, and then they cut to all the different interviewees saying, presence of mind. They had the presence of mind. He had the presence of mind. And so, uh, Cameron, producer Cameron knows uh, okay. that one. So Sorry I, to let you guys down. It's okay. <laughs> it was a long shot. You but, just looked at, I was like, oh, well, I got to say something here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that made it 40 to 17, Missouri. And I mean, 
Missouri, I mean, Tennessee in the second half had been scoring, or they scored, you know, to kind of keep it close. So Missouri just able to blow it wide open with the scoop and score there, I think, is something that we've missed from the Missouri defense all season. Mm -hmm. Those huge game-changing plays, and to get two of them here within, you know, one half of each other. Yeah, definitely at this point the game was just was over and it was just a blast watching them out there. Just yeah. everything was going right. And I mean, there's still quite a bit of game left mm-hmm. at that point. Um, so after Tennessee punted, um, Jonathan Johnson had a fumble of his own that was c- recovered by Tennessee, but their offense was done. I mean, they, they couldn't do anything. I mean, that backup quarterback was moving the ball at times throughout this game, but um, it was over. They The rest of their game was punt, 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 all on three and outs, and then an interception. So Missouri would add a 39-yard field goal, and um, that possession included a completed pass to Daniel Parker Jr., so he was able to get himself another catch. And then on a drive that featured only backup running back Simi Bakari, Missouri scored one final touchdown to make it 50-17. to 17. And literally that entire drive, they just handed it off to him, yeah. and then he eventually found the end zone. Yeah, it, it was cool to see. Um I thought that we might see him a little bit before the season started. I thought that he might have a chance to get some playing time as the, th- the third running back. Uh, so it's good to see that uh, he got his first touchdown, and he looked really good in that drive. Yeah, so Missouri moves to 7-4, and 3-4 and four in the SEC, and Tennessee is still trying to get bowl eligible. Um, I'll be rooting for... Uh, spoiler alert for SEC pick but I'll be rooting for Vanderbilt this week <laughs> to try to shut Tennessee out of their bowl. Um, we talked a little bit about stats. Larry Rountree had a, a really good game. We hardly mentioned his name, but he ran the ball 26 times for 135 yards. And then Bakari, just on that one drive, had nine uh, carries for 41 yards and a touchdown. But uh, Tennessee was checked out by that point. So mm-hmm. um, I think producer Cameron could have gone out there and rushed for at least 30 yards, probably. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very balanced attack. Uh, Tennessee could not stop us in any facet of our offense. So, um, yeah, it's just it's been so fun to see this offense and uh, operating at the level that we thought it could. And it's just, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm I'm just the ultimate fan. So just every every snap about to happen, I'm just you know I'm just getting excited <laughs> for every snap. I'm like, all right, what's gonna happen? You know, just watching Drew Lock out there is uh, it's it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, earlier in the season when Mizzou was having its struggles, I kept having to look at these last three games, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Arkansas. I was like, at the very least, the offense is going to look really good. Um, We may win some high-scoring games, but, I mean, these these are more or less the same teams that Missouri dominated last year. So these last three games were always sort of the light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. that should have been, should be three automatic wins, and so far they're two for two. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting that I wrote down here, uh, 10 different Mizzou players caught a pass, caught at least one pass. So, um, And Daniel Parker Jr., Barrett Bannister, and Dominic Jacinto each caught a pass. So I think you tweeted something about you know the future looking bright mm-hmm. with these guys as part of the offense. Yeah, there's a lot of young talent and guys that are making a difference already. So I, I think that it'll be fun to, to see this recruiting class over the next three or four years. Yeah, I do want to shout out the defense uh, before we are done with this recap because 
they were pretty dominant in their own right. They held Tennessee to just 255 yards, and 44 of those came on Tennessee's very last possession in garbage time. Yeah. Um, and they, they averaged 2.9 yards per carry. And even though their backup quarterback was able to move the ball somewhat, um, they only had 173 passing yards on the game. And, of course, the Missouri defense forced three fumbles. So they a- absolutely dominated just as much as the offense. Yeah, one thing definitely outside of the turnovers, but there's one thing that has kind of been missing on Missouri's defense this year. It's been the pass rush that it was there against Tennessee. I don't yeah. know what they did differently. Uh, if they did some more exotic blitzes, I know obviously they sent uh, Gillespie a few times, but uh, the pass rush was was brutal um, in a good way for Missouri in this game, and I think that that probably contributed to maybe some of the forced turnovers as well. Yeah, overall it was just an incredibly fun game, and the good news is we should have another incredibly fun game it this week be. in just a couple days. Hashtag pray for Arkansas. <laughs> So Arkansas is 2-9. and nine. They are 0-7 in SEC play. We're looking to make that 0-8. Um, it'd be a little bit more fun if this rivalry game, if the two teams, you know, matched up a little We're bit better. We're at the same time. But um, I'm totally fine with just destroying Arkansas Me too. at the same time. So mm-hmm. um, for anybody who doesn't know, um, they fired Brett Bielema at the end of last season. I think he was still standing on the field after their loss to Missouri when he got fired. But um, their new, they haven't performed well under their new head coach, Chad Morris. Um, this is just his second head coaching job. He was the offensive coordinator at Clemson and then the head coach at SMU for two years before taking over for Arkansas. So um, he's trying to change the, um, what would you call that? The, the culture? Yes, exactly. He's trying to change the culture. Brett Miel- Brett Bielema definitely brought a sort of Big Ten um, run the ball. The big uh, uglies. Yes, philosophy. Um, Not that SEC teams don't run the ball and dominate the line of scrimmage, but he was just kind of allergic to passing, and (laughs) um, Chad Morris is the opposite. He wants to air it out all the time, and they still don't quite have the personnel to make that happen yet. So, Yeah, we talked about that a while ago that this might be a rough year for Arkansas as they're transitioning into a different uh, personnel look. Uh, I, I'm sure they they seem to recruit fairly well, and I'm sure they'll get back to uh, to being what they want to be in the next year or two, but right now it's really fun to see them struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mizzou needs to win this game easily and just, just take care of business, just get out of this one. If we lost this game, it would be really heartbreaking, but if you think about uh, two years ago, um, we were kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, where Arkansas was had a pretty good year. I think they were nine and three. They're going to be nine and three or something like that. And we had only won three games mm-hmm. and ended up pulling that one out. So right. uh, let's not uh, be Missouri of 2016 in this game. I do think that this Arkansas team is worse than that Mizzou team. Though. Oh, I, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, <laughs> that Arkansas has only beaten Eastern Illinois and Tulsa. Um, who barely have football teams so um, and they, they have lost to Colorado State and they got absolutely destroyed by North Texas earlier mm-hmm. in the season um, they did have I, I thought it was kind of interesting you might we talked about last week how Vanderbilt had been in a lot of close games and you know they they were right there in a lot of games and they just couldn't get over the hump one could potentially make that argument with Arkansas, but because uh, they did have one possession losses to Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and LSU. But if you really look into those, even just looking at the box scores a little bit closer, 
in the A&M game, A&M turned the ball over twice, and that those were crucial plays that really altered the game, and they were the only reason that Arkansas was in it. Um, against Ole Miss, they were able to run for 300 yards, but they gave up 37 points and just couldn't overcome that. And then against LSU, which you think, you know, a one-possession game to LSU is a pretty big deal, they were actually down 24-3, to and it was a blowout until two fourth-quarter touchdowns. So I think yeah. that they are every bit a 2-9 and nine and 0-7 mm-hmm. and in conference team. Yeah, uh, I, will, I would agree that they are not good. Um, I will also say that if you want to deem this a rivalry game, I know some people are – it feels a little forced, and I yeah. I can understand that. Uh, but it is still kind of a rivalry game, I would say, um, that weird things can happen. Sure. I think we've seen that in the Mizzou-Illinois basketball uh, thing, but just in, in this game two years ago, weird things happen in rivalry games where, like I said, I get caught up in the intangibles. So maybe for whatever reason, Arkansas has just really wants to beat Mizzou, um, and they come out and play a great game. I still think Mizzou could play a C-plus game and win this one. So um, as long as Missouri is focused, which I think Barry Odom's got them locked in right now, I think they'll be just fine. Well, one intangible for you is the fact that it is supposed to basically rain the entire day on Friday in Columbia. So Interesting. that could you know, dampen the passing game a little bit. But luckily for Missouri, they, they can have run too. three really good running backs, and they are, Derek Dooley is more than happy to just pound the ball on the ground and score that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of looking over Arkansas stats a little bit. Um, their quarterback, Ty Story, he's a junior. Um, he has not been impressive at all this year. 1,500 yards with 11 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So if um, there's a chance that Missouri could build off of their forcing turnovers against Tennessee and keep that going in this Arkansas game, that would be really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they uh... – I mean, they're not completely incapable in offense. I know they've they've scored, they've put up some points against decent defenses, but and I think their running backs are pretty good. But yeah, their their quarterback does just shouldn't scare you, and he's incredibly inefficient. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of the running backs, Raheem Boyd, um, he was actually a transfer from Independence Community College, where they filmed the last most recent season of Last Chance U. So he was heavily featured on that, and was one of the bigger success stories coming out of that season um he was putting up like 200 and 300 yard games at the community college level um a year ago so he's a legit sec running Mm -hmm. back he's just he's gonna have two more seasons for arkansas so he's uh, he's efficient he's carrying for six yards of carry yeah so yeah we'll we'll be well aware of him i'm sure down down the road yeah hopefully we're aware of him now um over the next two seasons coming up He's going to be a big name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to predict a Mizzou win, as I'm sure you are, but I'd really be interested to hear what you think the score might be. Uh, I've been a little bit all over the place with what I think the score is going to be. I know Mizzou's defense has been playing really well lately, but for some reason I just feel like Arkansas is going to put up some points. Uh, But I will say Mizzou's going to win 55-24. to I had already previously wrote, written down <laughs> Mizzou 53 to 24. Oh my god. <laughs> so Why? it's weird how similarly <laughs> we think. I thought I was being kind of weird by like <laughs> at picking them to score 24 points and Yeah. 
I guess not. Well, I was thinking like, you know, Tennessee just scored 17. So that, I can't imagine mm-hmm. that holding a team to 17 points yeah. is pretty impressive. In college football yeah. these days, usually 17 points is like a minimum unless so, you're like Kentucky or right. something. Yeah. So give them that 17 and then, you know, a garbage time touchdown or something. Yeah. Gives you 24. Yeah. I, I am more hesitant on Missouri getting to 53. Um with the rain and yeah that's a good point i I don't know what the philosophy will be with drew lock with this being his last home game will they just let him play that's another thing i thought about as well if they go up by 21 points and here comes the start of the fourth quarter and it's rainy right yeah they might pull him i wouldn't have a problem with that yeah so get taylor powell some some snaps so that could definitely bring down missouri's scoring total a little bit but Mm -hmm. obviously we are on the same page there Either way, it's going to be really fun. I, I kind of, I just, I was more going on what I hope to see, honestly. I mean, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to see them hold Arkansas to less than 24 points, but that seems like a big ask. But yeah. um, seeing the offense go off on a high note, you know, last game mm-hmm. for senior night and everything on CBS, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh, I will also add about the Tennessee game that uh, our uniforms were fantastic oh my gosh and yes. like seeing us in Neyland and wearing those uniforms like on CBS that was that pretty was. pleasurable for me I'd have to say yeah um that aspect of the broadcast I enjoyed I did not care as much for the announcers not a who, big fan of Gary Danielson I I have never really been a big fan of his a lot of Mizzou fans aren't um and a lot of younger Mizzou fans started disliking him when Missouri played Auburn in the SEC championship game on CBS but I don't really mind his analysis or anything, but he could not get the players' names right. Yeah, Becker. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he said that at least five times. And just, like, mixing up syllables. And then even Brad Nessler called Jonathan Johnson Johnston. Yeah. He added a T <laughs> in there a few times. Yeah, and it's, just it's like, little things, but it's on, like, guys. yeah, you got you to gotta know this kind of stuff. Yeah, and they actually had their own names on the back of the uniforms this time, so there was no <laughs> exactly. excuses. There's no excuse. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to pick some SEC games. Um, we don't have the soundbite, so I'll just do it myself. Nebraska, Nebraska, I love you. <laughs> they, uh, I picked Nebraska last week, and even though we only picked three games, I was able to uh, gain three points on Kyle because Nebraska was an upset, so that gave me two points. Um, we both got Mississippi State over Arkansas, and then I picked Vanderbilt, and they got the big win over Ole Miss. I think uh, producer Cameron's uh, rooting for you in this endeavor of a game because well, I don't because I've <laughs> I've uh, spoken out against my feelings for Nebraska. So yeah, if I just show Nebraska a little bit of love, then I get you get uh, love from Cameron. Yeah, brownie points from producer Cameron. So which is something I'd like to have. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit. <laughs> So now the total scores is me with 49 points and Kyle with 35 points. So let's see how many. It's a rebuilding year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we'll pick uh, the SEC championship or bowl games or anything like that. We'll we'll see when we get there. But maybe we'll do like a double or nothing where the Ooh. the national championship is worth like High 10 stakes. points or something. Oh goodness. Try to make it exciting. So, <laughs> we got to do something drastic. <laughs> we're, we're losing ratings. <laughs> so I uh, started off with Nebraska at Iowa. Iowa's favored by 10 points. Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking Iowa as well. 
<laughs> Nebraska has gotten better, I will have to say. Yeah. Can't wait till next year. They look better. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be Iowa on the road, though. Uh, first SEC matchup, Mississippi State at Ole Miss. I believe they call that the Egg Bowl. Yeah. And isn't Iowa, sorry, <laughs> just going back to the last thing, but isn't Iowa the stadium with, like, the hospital, like, the views, the field? I think so. Like a wave to yes. the kids. All the kids are going to will them to victory. Sorry, Cameron. That is going to be really tough to overcome. Yeah. All those little kids, like, wanting Nebraska to lose. True. That's tough. If it's for the children. Well, you'll concede one for the children. Yeah, we're not going to a bowl game I was anyway. going to say, what if this was, like, for bowl <laughs> eligibility? Give up their bowl eligibility for the happiness of the children. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Egg Bowl. Mississippi State favored by 10.5 points over Ole Miss. Who did Ole Miss play last week? They played... Sorry to put you on the spot. Ole Miss played Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt beat them. Okay. I thought I remembered that being kind yeah. of a toss-up. Um, yeah, I like Mississippi State in this game. But I will have to say that if Mississippi State can lo- loses this game, I think it increases uh, the quality of bowl game for Mizzou. Because I think mm-hmm. uh, Missouri and Mississippi State are kind of fighting for that next level of bowl game. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be nice to see them lose this game so Mizzou can go to a, maybe a, a bigger bowl against a better opponent. Because yeah. at this point, I think Missouri's hot, and I really would like to see them play against a quality opponent to, yeah. f- to finish out the year. That would be the be best really fun. team possible. We'll yeah. see, see what happens. Try to get a, a number next to their name when yeah. it's all said and done. That'd be cool. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Mississippi State as well. Gonna Probably going to be a boring one. Um, now we have the Iron Bowl, Auburn at Alabama. Alabama favored by 24 points. Well, I have 35 points on the year, and I'd have to say, what is that? Like 10 of those points has come from just picking Alabama every week. So uh, I guess i got to pick Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick Alabama as well. I was kind of looking at some of their stats and stuff. Like They've given up in conference play this year so far, they've given up less than 100 points total. It's just insane. They'll finally go over 100 points in this game unless they hold Auburn to like seven or fewer, I think, <laughs> which I guess is possible. It's very possible. Um, back to the SEC East, Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Uh, I already spoiled who I'm going to pick. I'm Vanderbilt's a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I want them to win, and I think they will win. Is Vanderbilt bowl eligible? They, Are they both five wins? or is, Yes. Okay. This is, I believe, a battle for bowl eligibility. Battle for Atlantis. All right. I will... You picked Vandy? Yeah. I may, Vanderbilt may have just got their sixth win. I'll find out. Okay. That'll that'll affect who I pick. Because <laughs> if they're both fighting for bowl eligibility, then I'm, I'm, an, I'm going on my intangible rant again. <laughs> Who's going to get up for the game, Producer Cameron? Uh, Vandy. Wait. Let's see how many wins. Yeah, let's see. Vanderbilt has five wins. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I got to pick Vanderbilt. You would have really picked Tennessee. I would have. No. If Vanderbilt already had six wins, I would have picked Tennessee. Wow. Well, you got lucky. Intangibles. Intangibles. All right, last one. Need to get some points here. Mm-hmm. LSU at Texas A&M. Texas A&M's favored. Favored. By okay. Two and a half points. I got to pick LSU. That's too easy for the upset. I'm gonna pick Texas A&M. Okay. <laughs> Just so you have something. Why different. not? You're doubling me up almost at this point. So why not take some risks? 
All right. This was a fun episode. Anything for the folks? Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy your time off from work, hopefully, with friends and family, and enjoy that turkey. Yep. That's all I've got. Um, mm-hmm. We will be right back next week. We'll recap a blowout. Should be fun. And uh, talk some more basketball. Yep. Uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com, hashtag pray for Arkansas. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore hour 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Hashtag Kelly to the Zoo.